Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fully Grown Podcast, Ministry of Turner Christian Church. I am Pastor Jack. I am Pastor Rachel. And I'm Pastor Matt. Hello, and welcome, in everyone, to the Fully Grown Podcast, the Ministry of Turner Christian Church. You are listening to episode 127 of the Fully Grown Podcast, and we are all here uh, this afternoon recording this episode. And on this first segment of the Fully Grown Podcast, we are going to be doing a talking point card. Uh, what was the theme that we decided on that we're doing? So these are cards that inspire conversation, and um, we're doing one from the category of personal beliefs, an opportunity to really understand what you believe. And Rachel is going to pick one at random, and she only gets two vetoes, and she's used one. She has now used two. So this is it? This is the one? Unless we all three agree to veto the third one. I am not going to veto the third one. I'm actually keeping two of them, and I'm going to ask one of Matt and one of Jack. That was not the rule. But so then which do. one do you answer? <laughs> Who decides what you answer? I'm not going to answer anything. Uh, no. <laughs> I am the all-powerful question asker. Whoa. <laughs> Jack's the all-powerful host. Yeah, so I could veto your whole segment if so I wanted to. You ask her the third one. Oh, I didn't like that question. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. <laughs> Go ahead. Ask I'm you, sorry. You this start. question is just kind of... It, well, it's maybe, mainly a little silly for a minister. Go ahead, Jack. <laughs> the, the answer better be yes. <laughs> have you tried to read the Bible or parts of it? I, I object to the word tried. I have succeeded <laughs> and delighted in reading God's word. Well, the, yeah, the second part of the question is, how did that go? It, it was good. Awesome. There we go. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's challenging. The first time I sat down and read the Bible all the way through, like it, it was challenging. Yeah. I encountered things that I didn't know were in there. Yeah. Um, but it's good. It's really, really good. It's, I, I hesitate to see where that fits into the personal belief category, though. Yeah. Of like reading the Bible. I will say yeah. us using this is not an endorsement of the quality of the product of talking point <laughs> yeah. cards that we, we have them. <laughs> the quality of the product is remains to be decided. Remains, right? to, be yeah, decided. remains to be decided. Uh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Matt, Pastor Matt, what do you think it means to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? <laughs> I like that question because I, uh, that's one that I would have struggled with for a long time, and mainly because what I was taught didn't fit with what I saw in the Bible. I would say the most important part of being a Christian for people to understand today is that it is being loyal to Jesus. That's what um, faith means. The, the actual word there is about allegiance, not believing facts. Um, and so it's, it's being a person who is loyal to following Jesus. And you can see, and that's not a radical idea. You can see that in our confession. What we confess that unites us is that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is our Lord and Savior. And to say he is the Christ is to say he's king. To say he's our Lord is to say we obey him. And there are a lot of other things that we will try and tie Christianity to. But ultimately, I think what matters is... Um, I consider a fellow Christian to be a person who is following, committed to following Jesus. And they may understand his commands differently, so that person and I might differ on um, what following Jesus looks like. But I would consider myself to be in the same boat. Um, like if I had to choose between a person who disagrees with me on what Jesus has told us to do but is earnestly trying to do it versus someone who agrees with me on what Jesus told us to do but is not putting in any effort to actually be obedient, I would be more inclined to say that the first person is um, a Christian. Um, 
that being said, I don't like to jump into questions about speculating. Is that person a Christian? Is that person a Christian? Is that are people from that church Christians? Like ultimately Jesus is the one who judges our allegiance. But to me, and, and there's other things to talk about, but to me, the really big theme is allegiance to Jesus and, and f- oh, being obedient to him or, or being loyal to him. I'd say that those questions never tend to help anything. Yeah. They only tend to drive divisions even more, you know, to drive even more division into relationships with people. Um, it's, yeah, it's a complicated question sometimes, but I find that, you know, the simplicity of saying, who is Jesus? Can we agree on that? Okay. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I find that to be um, kind of, freeing in a way mm-hmm. to say yes i can be I, or i can i don't want to be like oh it's allowable now for me to be in relation but like i should be in relationship with this person because we agree on who jesus is mm-hmm. um and we both want to follow him as much as we can we might disagree on what that looks like but that's okay so yeah. one of the things that's come up in my preparing for the sermon series that we're in is w- learning that the thing that was really w- w- the thing that was radical about jesus in his context was not so much the things he was saying. Most of the things he was saying were not particularly controversial on their own or unheard of. Like Jesus wasn't the first one to teach the golden rule um, or the greatest commandment, things like that. But what was really controversial and really ultimately got him killed was the how he said that he was the key. He is the one who has been given authority to forgive. He is the one that people need to follow. Um, that his the importance of loyalty to Jesus in his message was what was most offensive to the religious leaders of the time. Um, so that that's a very biblical idea that from the very beginning of what Jesus was saying, that it's about following me. Yep. All right, Jack. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to put a caveat caveat on this is that I, I believe that you would probably answer more than one person. So who is one person you would like to share about right now in this moment you think God put into your life for a reason and what is that reason? Wow. Uh, that's a really big question. The person that comes to my mind, I'm going to say my grandmother, um, Grandma Linda. Uh, actually, I'm if I can say two, I'm going to say both my grandmas um, for very different reasons. Uh, my grandma on, on my mom's side of the family, Linda, she... I... She loves people in a way that just, you know, amazes me. And she is someone who is able to put others in, above herself just so naturally. Um, and even though, you know, I have a close relationship with her, even though every once in a while she says, this was hard. <laughs> you know, this was hard to put this person in front of me. She still does it. And um, I just, the way she loves her family, uh, the people in her church, um, the way she loves Jesus is just, Oh my goodness. I she is an amazing amazing woman and I've learned so much from her and she's kind of the one that comes to my mind and then my grandmother on my father's side um who passed away last last summer she um she she wasn't in the catholic faith right and so she you know Jesus is you know important to her and she believes similar things that we do about Jesus she was so, so, so supportive of what I was doing and made it very clear how important she, it was that I was doing this to her. 
um, and not in a way that to put pressure on me, but just to say what you're doing is amazing and I'm totally on board with it. And, um, you know, she gave me or I received one of her prayer books and I know that she used it so much. And um, she's just a woman that, you know, w was doing all the things and was just a really fun lady to be around. Um, and so, you know, just being able to see the dedication that she had to her faith um both my grandmas the dedications that they have to their faith um just really inspires me so i don't know if we <laughs> were intending for that deep of an answer but there there you go no yeah. that's beautiful thank yeah. you so much for sharing yeah i think it's it's great to hear how um the things that are powerfully impactful are you know the love that a person shows and models and and expresses towards towards you i think we can I know overcomplicate sometimes how we're meant to impact other people yeah. so that's really really yeah. good to hear i think going kind of back to the first question you know what what does a belief in jesus drive us towards and you kind of mentioned you know the greatest commandments simply what it drives us towards is loving god and loving others right i mean that's that's what we're supposed to do if we believe in who jesus is we should be driven towards loving god and loving others um, and that's Obviously, we have different answers as to what that looks like, but ultimately, if we're we're pursuing that, I think uh, I think we're doing pretty good. On this next segment of the Fully Grown Podcast, we have Pastor Rachel and I have several questions regarding the most recent sermon that Pastor Matt preached that we are just going to ask him and he will answer them and we might have conversation that stems from the answers but uh overall that's just what the outlook is like so pastor rachel would you like to lead us off i love that you felt the need to clarify that he was going to answer them it would have been really funny if you'd said we're going to ask him questions and he's not going to yeah. answer us. and then we'll just move <laughs> on stoically. he's going to stare at us angrily withhold information yeah. it's, it's up to you the, the listeners to answer the questions i will answer your questions with more questions yeah there we go. that's how we do it here at the fully grown podcast it's very um, i was wondering just as you um pulled all the pieces of sunday sermon together you know what was something that really stood out to you really impacted you this sermon so a lot of the things that i talked about in this sermon are going to come back on palm sunday because um, this is a theme that will really develop and play a huge role in the way we see the final week of Jesus' ministry. And so surprisingly enough, I ended up spending a lot of time studying what was going to happen. And I, I don't know that I needed to do this for the sermon, but it helped me to make sense of what he's doing. Studying about what happened in the year AD 70 during the Roman Jewish War. It was actually 68 to 73. Um, and realizing, because it, the, the argument that I was seeing in the commentaries I've been reading is that Jesus is saying if they followed him, they would avoid that catastrophe. And so that made me want to read, well, what were the roots of that catastrophe? What kind of things happened? And what I saw, it is such a mess, the way they get into that war. It's, it's um, just refusal to compromise. Um, like if they had practiced the Sermon on the Mount to any degree, and nobody can do it perfectly this side of glory that I've seen, but, you know, even just an attempt, 
by their community to live out the kinds of things that Jesus talked about, turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, forgiving, um, humility, those kinds of things. They could have avoided the whole thing. Um, at the point that the Romans finally surrounded Jerusalem, there was a three-sided civil war going on in the city that, that didn't really stop ever. Like even when the Romans were surrounding them and about to breach, they still weren't getting along with each other. And they were massacring each other. The first political assassins were a group of Jews called the Sicarii who were assassinating other Jewish leaders to make sure that the Jerusalem didn't surrender. Um, they burned their own food stores. Um, just huge messes. Um, and it's all because, I mean, I don't think they were going to win against the Romans anyway, but they got into the war because of these bad choices. And then the war was so much worse because of all these bad choices. And it's not hard to say if they had been trying to follow Jesus in this moment, they would have avoided the whole catastrophe. And that was impactful to me to just see how individual decisions to follow Jesus can add up to a, to, or refusal to follow Jesus really can have a huge effect on the direction of a whole nation, a whole city, a whole people. Um, which then caused me to think more about, you know, we tend to try and right now a big temptation for Christians is to try and affect change in our country through legislation and through, through um, political office and things like that. But the more profound, which is what the Jews were fighting over at that time. That's what the civil wars were about was who's going to hold on to the reins of power, but a transformation of people on the grassroots level would be so much more powerful in affecting real change. Um, so that was something that really, really stood out to me as I was studying. It's a very interesting conflict to study. Yeah. It was the well, first of three. It took three civil war or three wars with the Romans before the Romans completely destroyed Jerusalem, built a new city on top of it, and made it illegal for Jews to even live there. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. That is interesting. You know, as as you mentioned, kind of this, you know, this individual choice, you know, and how that can influence um the kind of the greater people, I guess you could say. Uh, my question really relates, my first question really relates into that personal decision uh, idea really closely. And that is, you know, we, we're on, on this side of Jesus. You know, we see um, all of the, the gospel stories, um, all of, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see all of their story. We see all of Paul's writings. We see a lot of the New Testament, right? We are able to see um, Jesus on this side of things. But they weren't on this side of things. And so my question is that, you know, we like to th sometimes think maybe that it would have been an easy decision. You see Jesus and you're like, oh, he's here. He we're ready. Let's return to God. But my question is, how hard of a, uh, a decision would that have been at that time? You know, seeing someone like Jesus as the Messiah, maybe. Yeah, you know, we especially in the way the ministry of Jesus is depicted in the, depicted in the media, you would ask, why would a person encounter Jesus and not immediately know that he was someone special that they should follow? And then we assume that the people who chose not to follow him must have been um, irreligious. They must have been selfish. They must have, there must have been bad things about them that would keep them from following this obviously good person. And while that definitely happens where there are people who are kept away from Jesus because of their selfishness or their corruption and things like that, um, I, and, and I would hesitate to be that uh, one-dimensional about it because that's not what like, 
people are more multi, like we have more size than that. Nobody really thinks of themselves that way. We all have a justification for what we do and why we think we're right. And for the people encountering Jesus, they were part of a heritage going back 400 plus years to Ezra. And the people who uh, in that heritage, like the Pharisees, were saying that it actually went all the way back to Moses, that this is the way we are supposed to be Jews. This is what God wants us to do. And the fate of our nation and the world depends on us doing things this way. Uh, something that we are, we're going to talk about in a couple of sermons um, is the fact that um, there was this huge heritage at that time, this really influential theme of um, that that the law was what set Israel apart and keeping the law was what set them apart and was worth dying for and was how you save the world. So it would be kind of, it would be similar to um, like COVID protocols. Like this is how you keep your community safe. And if any, anybody who's not keeping this is putting the community at risk, but it would also have the intensity of patriotic institutions like the flag, because they had within, a, a, you know, 150 years, there had been wars where Jews had been martyred for refusing to follow the law. So that, that whole idea of people in our movement, people in our nation have died for this. And so they have all that weight behind the Jewish institutions that Jesus is challenging. And in order to follow Jesus, you have to leave all that behind. You have to stop trying, like you have to let go of that idea that by following the law perfectly, we're going to save Israel, which risks if, if you were, if that view is right, then you following Jesus has spoiled the whole thing. Um, and you have to abandon what you were taught. Like all, like the disciples were all named after these martyrs, after these political leaders. And like, like Mary is named, like so many people draw back on this proud heritage they have of military resistance. And so I think that that would be, it, it took a profound amount of faith in Jesus to be able to leave all that behind and commit to following his way. And you would have to just be, be so convicted that he is the right person to follow and that what he's preaching is the true interpretation of what Jesus told his people in the Old Testament. And so I think, I think we should give people credit for how hard of a choice that was back then. Um, it was certainly a complex issue. And so the amount of faith it took to follow Jesus was not, not minimal. It was pretty significant. Yeah, you know, I, I, we look at Paul as such a hero of the faith, you know, um, but also looking at where he started out as, as kind of one of those people that said it can't be Jesus, right? You know, and, and holding on to his heritage so tightly, it took a miraculous sign for him to say, I get it now. It is him, you know? And um, so, it, it, yeah, a very complicated issue, I feel like. Isn't necessarily to give them an excuse, but, you know, just to say it's a lot more complicated than we give it credit for, I think, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, Paul thought he was protecting the Jews and thereby the whole world by persecuting a church that he saw as corrupting the message of God. Um, and you're right, it doesn't make him right, but it does make him more understandable. And it means that um, I, I hate to make people one dimensional because then it makes it feel like, well, I could never fall into that trap. Actually, we all can. Um, those, those temptations, those mindsets are easy for all of us to get pulled into. So when you're thinking about um, the sermon from this Sunday, what is one thing that you hope that congregation members 
walked out and heard really clearly or really well. Usually the, the, the way I try and structure my sermons is to kind of like a pyramid. I try to draw to a point and the, so that if all you remember is the last five minutes, then you'll remember the main thing I wanted you to take home. And for me, the most important thing that I wanted people to take away from this was the idea that following Jesus affects the course of my life in this world. That it's not just a matter, it's not an insurance policy, it's not a retirement plan. It's a, it affects the way your life goes here. And, and to a certain extent, that's what Jesus is after, that he is, he is saving people as a means to save the world. And so um, our decision to follow Jesus and our decision to follow him faithfully will affect the course of our lives, the course of our families, the course of our communities. Um, and we can't abdicate that responsibility. We can't say, well, I'm not going to live like a Christian, but I'm going to vote for things that will make our society Christian, or I'm going to give money to things that will make our society Christian, but I'm not going to live it out. Um, Jesus is interested in redeeming people so that they can be who they were made to be. And so um, on the one hand, that means there's a responsibility. But on the other hand, that means that if you're a person who's um, caught in some destructive place or caught in some oppressive place, that there's supposed to be liberation in the gospel, that, that it can improve, it can free you in your current place. Um, what that freedom may look like, I, I can't promise, but that Jesus can save us out of context that we're in and, and destructive places that we're in, uh, or at least strengthen us to endure them. It, but it can change the here and now. Um, I just, uh, uh, I preached a sermon when I was a new uh, youth pastor that I used a line that stuck in my head um, that, you know, there are people you will go to and say, hey, um, if you believe in this message, it can get you, you, you won't go to hell when you die. And for them, they'd say, well, who cares? I'm already in hell. Like I'm in hell right now. And I don't, I can't even think about the afterlife. And if, if what we say is good news, then it has to have good news for a person who's already in hell in this life. So that's the most important thing that I would want people to take away is that the gospel saves us now and it redeems our lives now and it changes us now. Yeah. So um, kind of going along with that, I'd say, you know, one of the points that you, you mentioned here in the morals of this last sermon was that there are real life consequences for the choices we make about whether and how to follow Jesus. And my question is, uh, you know, kind of on the flip side of that, what are some of the real life, you know, positives or benefits that, you know, making that choice can, can have? This is going to give away a big part of where the, um, the next sermon is going. But the one, the benefit that I have most in mind, because again, we tend to focus on the um, other, the next world benefits, like you'll get yeah. to go to heaven. Yeah. But in terms of the benefits that Jesus talks about, um, I will usually typically go to talking about being able to live in your purpose in the life that God calls you to live. But there's another really uh, powerful thing that Jesus says that he promises to his disciples when um, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus and, and wants to follow him. And Jesus says, sell everything you have and follow me. And um, he refuses. And then um, Jesus says, um, and, and then the, he talks to his disciples about that and about how hard it is for people to give up everything. And Paul, uh, Peter says, this is in 
uh, Mark 10, uh, 28, Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So what Jesus says there, there is eternal life, but there's also in this life, you gain back what you lose because you gain the church. And that as, you know, if you, because for him, what he's talking about, a primary context for the Jews at this time is if they follow Jesus, they'll lose family connections because their families won't support their decisions. But what he's saying is when you, when you follow me, you become part of a new family and you gain this whole family of people who love and support each other, who are invested in each other, that it's more than a social club. It's, it's a genuinely a new family with all of the, um, everything that that entails, um, and so one of, I, I'm just dwelling on this a lot because it's going to be the main focus of this upcoming sermon, that one of the biggest benefits we get is that new family that we can be a part of. And in a culture where we tend to minimize commitments to, um, to groups, when we tend to, we don't like to be, you know, like, like groups that require commitment are on the, um, are diminishing, you know, like um, um, fraternal orders, like um, the Shriners and, and the Freemasons and stuff like that, like groups that that expect you to pay dues and, and be a part of it. Our generation just isn't in for that. We don't like to be tied down, but, um, the church is meant to be not just a club, but a family and something that you're totally invested in. And then you gain that investment from others. And so, um, I would say that's, that's the most prominent benefit that's on my mind about what you get for following Jesus. Yeah, I think that's I think that's good. I think that also, you know, um, and we've talked about it before from the pulpit in classes and different forms of, you know, kind of in a way the responsibility responsibility that we have as a community of believers to be loving and us and supporting each other, you know. And I remember the sermon series we did kind of last spring and the last summer, you know, about reconciliation and how to repair relationships. You know, that was a huge part of it is that we do kind of have a responsibility towards each other um, because, you know, I, I think, I think you're right. I think that can be also an answer that is a little bit easy to say, you know, like, Hey, uh, this is what you can get out of, out of, you know, making this decision in the here and now. Um, but sometimes I've seen churches not uphold that very well and it's yeah. really, really hurt people, um, you know? And so I think it's important to recognize that that is a benefit of making that choice and, but also saying, because of that, we have a responsibility to each other to, to love and serve each other um, in ways that you aren't called to everywhere else in the world. Um, mm -hmm. Here's a kind of a pre-deleted scene, because I don't think it's going to make it into the sermon. But um, there's a place where they're talking about the cost, the, the Gospels are talking about the cost of following Jesus. And he tells someone to follow him. And the guy says, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. You come and follow me and proclaim the gospel. And that is so incredibly crazy in that society. Um, there's actually, I came across a quote from the Mishnah, which is uh, when they wrote down the Pharisees' traditions of how to interpret the law. And the first rule on prayer is someone whose loved one remains unburied is exempt from praying the Shema, 
from the like the most important prayers they don't have to wear the the um the prayer cloth with the tassels um and and from all obligations of the law until that person is buried so you don't even have to pray until you bury that person. That's how high the obligation of burying someone was. So when Jesus says that the obligation to the kingdom of God is beyond that, it's it's the most extreme statement, offensive level statement that he could be making. And I think that highlights the fact that the only way we're able to gain from joining the church uh, and gain family is if we bring an investment into the church of family. Um, what I receive in terms of family from the church is what the rest of you give to me in the family of the church. And so that means I can't just be a passive recipient of family. I have to come in and um, be able be willing to embrace others as family. It's the only way it works. And so there's also a commitment that you're making to be family with others. Which is really, really scary, uh, I think, especially in our, our, our context in the, in the States sometimes, because it's so much a world of like, you know, watch out for yourself, get as much as you can. Um, and just, you know, remembering back to that sermon series, and I talked a little bit about humility, um, just placing people higher than yourself. You know, it's it's a really, really scary concept, because if you do that, and then the other person is not, where does that leave you? Um, and so you're still called to do it. But there's still kind of that thought, at least in my own brain of like, well, what if what if they aren't looking out for me, because then, you know, I'm going to be pouring into them, and they're just gonna be taking it and running away and it just kind of leaves me out in the open you know kind of vulnerable in different ways so it's really scary but that's that's in reality if if we're doing that well as a community oh my goodness what a community that is what a beautiful beautiful wonderful place that is so yeah and i think one of the dangers that we're running one of the the problems that we're running into now is we have so much more competition for being a person's chosen family it used to be that the church was one of the only chosen families out there but now with how much easier communication is and, and gathering. We see so many more communities or um, chosen families that are flourishing in large part because people aren't finding that support from the church. And so they'll be ostracized by the church or they'll be neglected by the church. And so they'll leave and they'll end up finding that support in a community gathered around completely different purposes or completely different causes. And, um, so unfortunately, not only are we not the only community offering chosen family, but in some cases, we're not even the best at loving particular people um, because we've, I think sometimes we um, just take it for granted. And so it's important for us to make that investment. Yeah. I think uh, it is a worthy investment. And also when that investment is made, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Just kind of wanting to end on a a little bit of a positive note, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I, the church is an amazing place, but it is made up of people and people are broken. And so it can, the church can be very messy in very different ways. But, um, you know, the church is the bride of Christ. And with that comes um, inherent beauty, but also potential beauty in other ways as well, I'd say.
As we close, I just want to remind everyone that the uh, Women's Conference held next door through the Northwest Christian Network is coming up on April 1st and 2nd. Um, And it's going to be an incredible weekend. And I really hope that you check it out and consider joining us. Yes, but we do want to uh, just thank you for joining us today on the Fully Grown Podcast, episode 127. Um, in the meantime, we I mean, we do hope that you would join us next week, but we do want to wish that you would stay healthy. Stay helpful. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.